0: I want you to turn, first of all, to 1 John, chapter 5, to a very familiar passage of Scripture, one that I'm sure you've heard a lot and probably can quote, but we'll begin there today. I want to talk about truth this morning, the truth of God's Word. Now, that's not the title. The title is Unfailing Truths because I am under the assumption and the belief that if God made a promise in the Bible, then that promise is a fact. Would you agree with that? That a promise has been made, God made it. Therefore, it is a promise that God has made. The problem that Christians have or churchgoers have with it is I see that in the Bible. I've heard a sermon about that, I'm not really sure it'll work for me. We probably all wrestle with that at some point in our lives, or maybe there'll be something that you still wrestle with. That's a question and a confrontation we have with what God says as Christians. We can see that he said it. I can read. I see right there what it says. But I look around and see so little evidence of that being real or true or something that is certain. I'm just having a hard time convincing myself that I can depend on that or that I can count on this because I'm afraid it might fail, that it might not work. And I want to correct that today by talking about the unfailing truths that are in the Word. In the dictionary, the English dictionary, the word unfailing means not falling short of expectation. Not falling short of expectation, but see, expectation is the key. Too many people really don't expect it to happen. They hope it happens. They pray that it will happen. They're not expecting it to happen because they act like it might not. And that's not what we want to do. That's like saying, God, I know you said it. I'm not sure you'll do it, which is like in 1 John here. He says that's calling God a liar. Nobody wants to be guilty of that, but that's what unbelief does. We'll get to that later. Another way that you can say what unfailing means, it is something that is completely dependable. If in my ministry and my time in ministering the Word of God to people, if by God's anointing and by God's doing, I can't, but if by God's doing he can convince a congregation of people that God's Word is completely dependable, we've had wonderful success. Because all you will need in life to cope with any circumstance you're going to face is what does the word say? Because to you, if it's changing and working in you, the word becomes the truth, the absolute, dependable, expected word of truth, because it cannot fail. Now, in first John chapter 5 and verse 14, it says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatever we ask, then we know that we have the petitions that we have desired of him. Now, again, I don't need to digress a long time about this because we've done it so many times, but the Bible says this is a confidence. This is the kind of expectation that has come to me from God through his word that if I can find his will and then ask him that I can be sure and confident that what he has promised he will do for me. Wouldn't it be nice if it worked like that? And yet that's what he said. This is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then we know that we have what we have petitioned of him. The word confidence is an inward certainty. A better definition of would probably mean an assurance of mind in the truth and reality of a fact. The assurance, Paul said, I am firmly persuaded. Remember that? It is the word of God is to me from God his assurance that he will do what he said. Now, if I really believe that, if I'm there, and I have confidence in God that whatever I ask for, He'll do it. Wouldn't that be nice? What if that's the way we all lived and thought and functioned? That God will watch over His word to perform it. That all we need to know is what is the will of God. What is the will of God? Isn't that why our minds are being renewed? that we might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And he said if we ask anything according to that, we have it. It's ours. This is the way my mind ought to think with regard to God. If you have said it and I have believed it, then it is certain that I shall have it. It will come to pass in my life. I will experience this. Because when a man is confident, he or she is able to say, I'm sure, absolutely sure. How can you be so sure, they say to us? How can you be so sure this will happen? Look at all the people it doesn't work for. I don't know about all the people that you're talking about. I know what I believe. I know what is in my particular heart. In my relationship with God, the light that he has given to me has brought confidence to me that what he has said he will do. Now, that's how we should live. With regard to God and his word, we should live that if God said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, he'll make it good. Therefore, I take no thought. I will not worry. I will not fret. I will not wring my hands in anticipation of possibility that it might not work because if God said it'll work, it'll work. That's where my confidence is. Now, that's where we all should be, to live in such a way that we expect God to do what he said. Expect it to happen. That's why we take no thought. That's why we don't worry. If I'm talking to you, that's why we're not afraid of tomorrow's forecast. The job market, the fear on the streets, and the cost of living and health and all of that stuff. We don't even burden ourselves with that because we have a promise from God that he shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory now if he said he will do that and that's an unfailing truth it has to work because god said it then why should i take thought about it if i believe it because if my faith puts me in connection with the promise and it'll come to pass just like god said it paul said i know in whom i have believed and i'm convinced I am convinced that if he said it, he'll do it. In fact, I'm so convinced that I'm going to act like it's already done even before it happens. I'm going to act like I have something you can't see, and you're going to mock me and ridicule me and wonder what kind of a religion I have, but I'm going to act like I've got something that you can't see and I haven't experienced yet, except in my heart. But isn't that what Jesus taught what things, soever you desire, when you pray, believe. Believe that you have it. You can't see it. You can't feel it. He didn't say you look better, feel better, sound better. He just said when you pray, believe. Believe you have received what was promised. And he said on the condition that you believe you have it, you'll get it. Now, if you have that, if you believe that, you have Confidence you walk as though it's real. And there'll be people that'll ask you, what is this reason of hope that is within you, this expectation that you have? How can you expect something to happen? I mean, how do you know God will do it? And you say, because he said he would. How can God fail? If he said he will, then he will. That's the truth. If he said he will, he will. That's the truth. If he said he will, he will. That is the truth. If he said he will, he will. That's the truth. Then what has he said? Because what he has said is his will. Would you believe that? Now, God opened our eyes and our hearts to discover with our hearts your will for us. I've been told, as you've heard, there's nearly 8,000 promises in the Bible. 8,000. I would assume that every promise is the truth because God said it. That if God said it, it's true. You couldn't say if God said it, it's not true. That's false. But if God said it, it's true. Now, if God said it and it's true, it can't fail because that's what he watches over to do then why doesn't he do it for everybody? Because not everybody believes it. You've got to believe it. Anybody can talk about it. Anybody can confess it and sing songs. about. It. But all he holds us to is believing it. And when you believe it, when you in your heart are convinced that you have what God has promised, even though... There's no way that the world out there but looking at you can tell you've got it. It's simply something that you confess that you have because you believe it in your heart. You'll get it. It will come to pass. I can say I guarantee you that it'll work because God said before I said that, that it'll work. God is faithful. One outstanding attribute of God is his entire faithfulness. He is faithful to his word, not your passions and not your pleas and not your situations and your condition, but to his word. If you align yourself with God and his word, then he will do for you what he said because that would be his will. That's his will. Now, let me ask you a question so I can get started. Are the truths of God's word unfailing, sure and certain, Or are they only possibilities? Because the church world today, I think, in my being around church folks, most church folks will readily admit that the Word of God is true. You wouldn't want to be in church if you said, well, the Word of God isn't true. Why would you be here then? Why would you go? If it's not true, this is a farce. Nothing to it. There's no heaven. But if the word of God is true, if it really is true, then it means that it'll come to pass because God cannot lie. Remember, God is not a man that he should lie. But if God didn't mean it but only said this is possible, that God could because he has, we've read about things he has done, but there's no surety that he'll do it again for you then it's only a possibility. And if it's only a possibility, then it's not always true. It could be. Seems like it is, but it may not be. So we've got to settle in our hearts that I don't base the truth of God's Word on whether or not it worked for you or anybody else. Whether or not it's true is whether or not it's true to me because it's true because God said it. But do I believe that? Is the word of God true to me? Because if it is, it's an unfailing truth. Let me give you five things this morning about unfailing truths and what's unfailing in the Bible. For begin with, God himself is unfailing. The Lord is an unfailing God. God is never fails. God never gives up, never backs away from what he said. If he said it, He will do it. Now I want you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 31. You're going to need your Bible this morning. Deuteronomy 31 and look with me in verse 6. Now here God is speaking to the people. In case you think that this wasn't for everybody, here God speaks to his people. Wouldn't it be nice if we were his people? Because if we were his people, this is what he would be saying to us. Oh no, this was spoken to the people that were coming out of Egypt long ago, and they were getting ready to go into Canaan's fair and happy land. It used to be called the promised land, but that's politically incorrect today because you might offend terrorists if you say it's the promised land. But I will share with you this morning that it is still the promised land still is, shall always be. Deuteronomy 31, verse 6, God speaking to his people said, Be strong and of good courage, fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, it is he that goeth with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Now, does your Bible say that God will not fail you? Listen, when you're the center of his attention... He wants you to go from point A to point B and directs you to that point. And he says, you go and I'll be with you. He is with you. You may not always think he is because of the way things are going, but he is with you. And he said, I will never forsake you. Which means he can sometimes hide himself from you because he didn't want you to live dependent on a feeling. Ooh, I got some. He wants you to learn to live by faith, by taking God at his word. And not counting on goosebumps, but counting on truth. And so he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And then verse 7, Moses called unto him Joshua and said unto him in the sight of all Israel, Joshua, be strong and of good courage. And Folks, this is true for us in life itself. There's so many obstacles out there, so many things that discourage so many people. So many situations that people give up so easily to. So what he says here wasn't just at some point then, though it was for then, but it also echoes down through history to us today. And it says, be not afraid, be of good courage, for you must go with this people into the land which the Lord your God has given unto you, and thou shalt cause them to inherit it. He said, you're going to go with these people. You're going to lead them in. And in verse 8, he says, And the Lord, he it is that goeth before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee. He will not forsake thee. Do not be dismayed, forlorn, cast down, fearful, and uncertain. Don't be like that. That's a sign you're not really trusting God. Now, think of this. We're getting ready to go into a place, a land that was full of soldiers and walled cities and iron chariots down in the valley and the giants over in certain sections there. And all these were warring people, these Habbites and Jebusites and Hittites and Amorites, all kinds of ites and icks and and ticks. And they were all over the land. They were all bad people. That's why God was sending them and said, get rid of all of them. I'll go with you one step at a time. And he said, I will never leave you, I'll never forsake you, listen, I am with you. I am with you. How many times does the Bible give us that for assurance? Even the 23rd Psalm, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that's guess one of the most fearsome things to mankind is dying, and yet you can't go to heaven until you die, unless the Lord comes. Yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what did God say? I'll be with you. We're not alone. We're not alone this morning. The Lord is here this morning. Where two or more gather together, he's in our midst. He's here. We're not alone. We may not be able to see him or in some way relate to him that way, but he's here anyway because he said he would be. He can't lie. If he said he's here, he's here. Two or more, we got more. Is there more than two here that believe? Yeah, yeah, there is. There is. Well, then he's here. He said he would be. Isn't that right? We're here, hopefully, by his inspiration to discover truths in his words that will bring confidence to us in our life that we will live like it's true. Live like it's so. God is true. God is so. Even in the New Testament, he said in Hebrews 13, he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And the battles that you may fight in this life, you don't fight them alone. Even concerning your wars and your skirmishes and your fights and those long nights, you wring your hands and, oh, I just don't know what I'm going to do. He said, there is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you're able, but will with the temptation provide a way of escape. He's on your side. God's for us, not against us. He's going to train us and test us and turn us from the old to the new, and that sometimes is a painful, chastening moment. But it's for our good. The end of a thing is always, with God, better than the beginning. No chasing for the present seems to be joyous but grievous. Yet later it brings forth praise and thanksgiving to God because you come out better than you were when you went in. So we don't always understand all of those kind of things, but we must understand this. God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, and most of all, I will not fail you. One of the complaints in Psalm 77 when God was training his people from being slaves to being his people and thinking the way he wants them to think and, and acting the way he wants them to act, they were being tested and refined. And in Psalm 77, they said this in verse 7, Will the Lord cast off forever? Have you ever felt like that? Ah, you better wiggle your head sideways. You ever felt like the Lord was not doing what he promised he would do, all those wonderful things you heard in church, all that stuff, the preacher said, it ain't working for me. Some of those nights when the cough won't stop or the fever won't go down or it's been two weeks now and the rent's past due or whatever it is. She's not better, the kid's acting worse and he's and this. and You just feel like you've been deceived. All this hope that you got from church and everything now, it's just not working. That's happened to a lot of people. We've all had our moments. I've had my moments. I've had to repent some things I've said to God. I remember telling God once, if I was you, I wouldn't let me go through this. I'd blink my eye. My little child here would be well. But, oh, no, 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 no. Just ugly, real ugly. And then realized the kind of attitude I was having and had to repent. But then at least I discovered I still have a bad attitude. That was a long time ago. I think I've worked on that quite a bit. I'm trained, my mind, my mind in being renewed, it functions as though God only is always true and right. He cannot fail. The problem is never with God, it's always with us. God doesn't lie and deceive and mislead his people. If he said, I'm with you, I'm with you. He's with you. If he said he will guide you safely, he's going to guide you safely. If he said that he that started good work is going to finish it, whether you feel like quitting or not, you're going to stay with it, and you're going to be finished. Because God cannot lie if he said it, then it's so. But he said, will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? I mean, is God through with us? He just got the good out of us, and then he's going to drop us? Or in verse 8 of Psalm 77, said, Is his mercy clean gone forever? That's the Kentucky version. Is his mercy clean gone forever? That's how we'd say it. Doth his promise fail forevermore? Listen to me. Why would a man talk like that? Why would a child of God ever talk like that? These were his people. They said, has his mercy quit? They looked at their circumstance or situation and things weren't well and they weren't getting any victories and they were being defeated and, and cast down. They had no hope. No, It just seemed like it just, they even said when they got out of the desert, he said, he brought us out here to kill us. Remember that? We could have died back in Egypt. Why'd you bring us out here to die? So, he said, has his mercy quit? Is he done with us? Never going to work. That's what the devil says. See, it ain't going to work for you. See, it doesn't work for everybody. See, you've been misled. See, look around all the people. Just tell me two people what you want and has ever worked for. It doesn't work. It's possible God could do this, but chances are he won't do it. You're not spiritual enough, and you're kind of ignorant, and you know, you know. So, so you start thinking like that, as a man thinketh. So is he. Then God has to move in your life and invade your life and get your attention because he did in Psalm 77. Then the light came onto these people and said, you know what my problem is? I'm looking at things like a grasshopper instead of a giant. I'm down here looking up at my problems as, oh, poor little me. I'm just a poor little grasshopper being stomped on by big old bad giants. And God says, you sorry thing. Look where you're seated in heavenly places. Are you in heavenly places? Yeah, well, then the grasshoppers are under your feet. So are the giants. And you get your eyes open, as as the psalmist did, and they begin to see things right. But there's times, folks, we all, even though God does not fail, there's times you think that he has. He didn't. I'm just saying there's times the thought pops into your mind. Why wouldn't the devil put that in your mind? Why wouldn't the devil say that to you? Why wouldn't he want you to think that you're not good enough, you're a second-class citizen, you're not smart enough, you haven't been a Christian long? Why wouldn't he say that? He even told us, don't be dismayed or discouraged. But people get discouraged real easy because they get their eyes off God. They get their eyes on themselves. Oh, sometimes it's pretty sad. Turn to 1 Samuel. If you can find it, 1 Samuel. Go back to the right, right after Moses. 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 12. This is good. Verse 22. Now, I asked you a while ago. If you were his people, y'all remember that? Are you his people? Now, I'm serious now. I know you're supposed to say, I am. But are you really his people? Is he your God? Is he ashamed to be called your God? Well, there are some, the Bible says that. The book of Jude. But Anyway. Are you his people? Well, here's what he said, verse 22. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake. We are the people of God. God chose us. God leads us. God brought us out of darkness. God gave us repentance. God is meeting with us. God is teaching us. Around him, it's his great name that is over us. Because he said, it hath pleased the Lord to make you his people. I wonder why it would please him. Would you have made you his people? (laughs) I don't think. so. Well, maybe you would or maybe you like yourself. But it'd be tough for me knowing just exactly how I am to say I would make me one of his people. Far from it. And the more I get to know some of you, I wonder how you got in here too. (laughs) I'm just kidding you about that. I'm just saying, hopefully, to get our attention, that God took people like us who were living failures and brought us to him, broken-down, miserable, wretched sinners, full of all the wrong attitudes and ideas, all the mistakes we've made and all the bunched-up mess was in our minds, and called us his, and not only said, I have brought you out of the miry clay, I have set your feet upon a rock, and I have especially made you my child. You are now directly connected to the Almighty, the creator of all the earth. He has especially chosen you to be his child. And you say, me, you. I'm not worthy. You not only are not, you never will be worthy of all this because you can't earn worth in this kingdom. God makes worth for himself when he chose you. You're his. He brought you out of the world, separated you unto himself. That's called sanctification. He separated you unto himself, and now he's doing a work of refinement in your life to take you from where you were to where he wants you to be. You discover where you were when you begin to relate to God. You realize how miserable, wretched, and a bad attitude you have because God exposes all of that to you then he's going to cleanse you from it and make you from something that was no good to something that he will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Why would he pick us? I don't know. I'm really glad he did. I'm really glad that he did. I'm really glad that I know God doesn't take pains with things, but I'm glad it seems to me that he's taken pains with us. Look how we've drugged our feet for the last whatever years. I don't know how long you've been saved or what you're doing with your life, but think of how many times we drag our feet, make excuses, and want out. And God won't let us out. Because he said, when I chose you, I connected with you. We're connected forever. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You may walk away from me. We call that backsliding. But you won't go far because I'll bring you back because you're mine. You're mine. And I'm going to do a work in you that I'm not going to do in everybody, but I'm going to do it in you. You're going to stand at some point in your life, you're going to stand and realize just how flawless and faithful and unfailing God is because of the work he's done. You'll look back from 35 years ago to what you were, and you'll look at yourself today, and all you'll be able to do is bow your head and say, thank you, Jesus. He could have let go of us 30 years ago. He could have said, I have said the same sermon 15 times and you still had not got it, I'm done. But you know what he does? Same thing Jesus did. Remember the Bible said Jesus could in his own hometown do no mighty work except lay his hands on a few sick folk and heal them, just a few. And the next verse said, and Jesus marveled at their unbelief. They had something there in their presence that could have set them all free, and they couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. So you know what it said that he did? He went about all their villages. The next verse says he went about all their villages teaching, because faith comes how? And he wanted everybody to believe what he said. Didn't he? They wanted them to see Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God who brings God in a human form to this planet, and while he's here, he's willing to set everybody free that hears him. He said, you'll know the truth. The truth will make you free to heal them and deliver them and set them free and wash away all their sins. And what he said to them back then, he says the same thing today. This word never dies because God, God is faithful. He chose you out there. Whoever you are, he chose you to be his child. And all of his good works are designed for you. He has mustered all of his love, which is beyond knowledge, and leveled it on you. We don't deserve anything we're getting, but we're getting the best. Even in our struggles, we're getting the best. Because for us, there is always hope at the end of a rainbow. The two times in my life I got the closest to being so discouraged I wanted to walk out, God brought a man in my life. And the effect that man had on me, I got rejuvenated. It seemed like God has somebody, somewhere, some way, some circumstance awaiting all of us to keep us where we ought to be. Because he can do that. God never fails. Friends, God never, ever fails. God said, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. That's what we do. We hear his voice, and we follow him. He says, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hands. You believe that? Just like Isaiah said, listen to this. He said, a suckling mother could forget her child sooner than I could forget you. He said, I have graven thee on the palms of my hands. You. 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 He's grabbing you in the palms of his hand, which means he holds you in his hand. And when he holds you like that, there's nobody going to take you out of that hand. God cannot fail. This is what he will do. We do not have to live in dreaded fear that it might not work. It will work. God would never mislead us or deceive us. So God himself faileth not. A second thing that faileth not, and this is one of the most wonderful subjects, like God never fails, but this one is equal to it, his word never fails. We are here this morning to hear the word. If we hear it enough, we will become word inside minded. We will hear the word talking to us in our circumstances. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, he will bring to your remembrance things that I have said. The Holy Spirit will quicken you, make you alert to the Word of God. The Word of God is what God calls the sword of the Spirit. It's what the Spirit gives you, reminds you that you have to fight with. If you have listened, paid attention, then he's given you something. Now, that something he gave you would be his word. It's a living thing. And that word, not only is it alive, but it's activated by the Spirit of God so that you win your battles. You don't know how to fight as you should, but he does. And in your hand, he guides that word successfully in your life as you speak it to the devil, to circumstances, to your children, your wallet, your house, your car, your garden. I've spoken to a lot of things in my life. I'm sure it'd be very weird. I've spoken to things because I release my faith like that with a word. But that's the way God released his. That's why creation came. God said, let there be. Let there be what? Whatever he said. Let there be an earth. There had never been an earth. There had never been such a thing as an earth. Everything was without form and void out here. It was just a mess. And God spoke a word. And the word that God spoke framed what was spoken. He said, let there be a universe. And boom, it happened. That would never get me in a university class on evolution. But God said, he said, let there be, and Boom. Now, for the people, the the smart people who say, well, that's nonsense, I would say, how do you know it's nonsense? Can you prove it didn't happen that way? No. Well, see, I don't have to prove that it happened that way. All I have to do is believe it. I don't have to prove the Bible's true. All I have to do is believe it. All I have to do is take what was given to me and accept it as true because this is what God watches over to perform. This is the Word of God. Go to Joshua. You're not far from it. Go back to Joshua, right after Deuteronomy, if you're new to the Word of God. Joshua chapter 21. And look at verse 44. And the Lord gave them rest round about according to all that he sware unto their fathers... And there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. Did he say he would? Then notice the next verse. Same thing is true today. There failed not ought. That's a good way. To say. There failed not ought. There failed not one good thing which the Lord had spoken into the house of Israel or to the assembly that is in Shelbyville, Kentucky in the year 2012. Listen to me. If it did not fail then, it doesn't fail now because God has forever settled his word in heaven. That's Psalm 119, verse 89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled. It changes not like the Lord. In eternity, the word will say what it says now. In fact, all eternity will come to pass as the word says it will come to pass. God is a living word. It says so in John chapter 1. Think of it. Not one thing has failed of all that God said. And for all those people that said, well, I tried it and it didn't work, that is a lie. That is a lie. God never said try his word. He said believe his word. In Joshua chapter 23 and verse 14, And behold, this day he said, I am going the way of all the earth as he's going to die. And he said, and you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. What all has God said concerning us? Who is the word for? The Bible, who's it for? Is it just something to be read in the church or is it a living word? Who is it living for? For God's people. Worldly people can quote the Bible, worldly people can read the Bible, non-Christians can preach the Bible. You don't have to be a Christian to preach. You don't have to be a Christian to sit there, you don't have to be a Christian to graduate from a seminary or go be a missionary. You don't have to be a Christian there are systems of man that tell you this is the way it ought to be done, and you do it that way, and you're applauded for it, you're gifted, you're encouraged, you your license to do it that way. That doesn't make it right. It's only right if it's according to the Word. Would you agree to that? See how narrow that sounds? Oh, you all think, no, it doesn't have anything to do with you all. It's what the Lord said. It's what God said in His Word. Verse 14, it said, not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. All are come to pass unto you and not one thing hath failed thereof. Would to God that we can say that ourselves when it's our time to depart from this earth, that God has done exactly what he said he would do. Would to God that all of us will be able to say at the end of our journey that I have had good health all these years because God has performed his word concerning it to me. Well, you were just always healthy. I was the sickest soul in this room. As far as pneumonia and sickness and colds and growing up in a house full of smoke and breathing two people's smoke all my childhood. Having sickness in my body, I mean, just a common thing, dude. I, coughing blood. I, I mean, I was as sick as soul there was. And one day when I got saved and I learned what the Bible said and the promises came, I asked myself, can God make me healthy and well? Because my mental game was adapted to being sick and making the best of it in life and do the best you can. And I realized that's not the way God gave us to live. That's not his level for me. I can do better than this because he said I can. not Is he faithful to do that? We took our stand. We threw away all the antihistamines that we had for our kids, got rid of any medicine that we had in our house. Boy, would that go well today with Newsweek and decided that if God said, that health belongs to us, and we're his, then I receive it. And it's been how many years, 40 years since? Shouldn't it be? Would to God it would happen for all of us. How about prosperity? Oh, there's that, you know, I heard all about that kind of stuff. Well, relax, we're not going to take up an offering. Relax. You get to do that in private if you want to. If you can get your hand down in that slot, you can take some home with if you don't have enough. But can he make you prosper? Can he supply all your needs according to his riches and his level in heaven? He's pretty good level. When you read how the city he made that we're going to live in forever, a lot of gold, big oysters, pearls over those gates pretty big. Gold streets. Gold is like dust to God, like sand on a sea. It's just something on this earth that impresses you that he's just going to make a city 1,500 miles high. We can't even get a rocket that high, barely. And that wide, you got a place there, I'll have a place there, you know, gold. You won't need running water. You won't need to eat. You won't need to breathe. You can't get tired if you want to take a journey for a few hundred miles or run in a couple days because you got a different body. Mind has not conceived nor come into the mind of man what God has prepared for those that love him. You know why? All because in this life you have chosen to trust in the Lord and take God at his word and say his word fails not. 1 Kings 8.56 says again, not one good word of his promise has failed. Should we not preach promises? I would rather declare to you the promises of God than to preach about politics or who you ought to vote for. (laughs) Vote for. I'd rather you just say, here's what God has promised you. Let's believe this. And I know you won't always get it the first time, so we'll come back next Sunday and say it again. Then we'll come back the third Sunday and say it again. Until you finally say, don't you have anything else to say? Not until you get this. When you get this, we'll go to part two. Why? Because God is pleased to bless us with all his. It's your Father's good pleasure to give you his kingdom, to prepare you for it. And this word that he gave us to live by cannot fail. You live according to this word, it will not fail. Turn to one of the best verses in the Bible, Numbers 23 and verse 19. Exercise your Bible finger just a moment. Numbers 23, 19. Now, I think everybody ought to try to memorize that because of the message that is in it. The word cannot fail. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither is he the son of man that he should take it back. If he said it, shall he not do it? Or has he spoken and shall he not make it good? Does your Bible say something close to that? Right, listen to it again. God is speaking to us through his word. We don't need an audible voice. He gave us his word. The only book he ever gave, the only inspired writings on this earth are that book. And that book is a guide to your life. It said, this is the way you walk in. In the interest of thy words, give light, light to your path. Now, God didn't demand that he should lie. He's not saying things that aren't true. He's not making up things to tell you to get you all inspired that he won't do. Because what he said, he will do. He said so. He's not a man that he should lie, not the son of man that he should take it back. I wouldn't, I'm just kidding. But he said, if he said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, he'll make it good. If he said it, he will do it. If he spoke it, he will make it good. If he said it, he will do it. If he spoke it, he will make it good. If he said it, he will do it. If he spoke it, he will make it good. Now I would ask us on his behalf, what more do you want? Find out what he said, and then wrestle with that until it becomes a matter of your heart. Words got to get in your heart. It's got to be where confidence comes. Yes, not well. I hope so. That's not your heart. That's your head. when it gets in your heart, it's yes, yes. But this is what he said. We quote this a lot. Isaiah fifty-five. In verse 10, talking about the word, he says, as the rain and snow comes down from heaven, waters the earth and affects the earth this way, it, it brings forth bread for the eater, and then out of that bread you get seed to save for your next year's crop, bread for the eater and seed for the sower. And he said these words, so shall my word be. God said this, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. But he does two things, it shall accomplish that which I please and it will prosper in the thing whereto I send it. Selah, that means pause and think about it. Listen to it. God said, the word that goes forth out of my mouth is a promise. It cannot fail. This is my word, it's an unfailing word. It is designed. when God spoke it, it is designed to affect not heaven but this earth. Amen. It will accomplish that which He pleases. What does He say pleases him? Read it. Promises. That's His will. Promises. and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Did He send it to fix things? Did he send it to inspire things? Did he send it to bring things? His word will not return unto me because he's not a man that he should lie. If he said that, he'll do that. If he spoke that, he'll make that good. He will cause the word that you believe that comes from this book, not somebody's idea, but the word you believe out of this book, God said he not only watches over to perform it, but he will see to it that the word accomplishes that which he sent it to do. If there's one single verse in this Bible that says that I am a healing God, I will heal you, if there's only one verse in the Bible that says God will heal, then that's what he will cause his word to do for that person. It won't work for everybody because it's not for everybody. It is for his people. And yet his people say I don't know about that. What I heard about you're getting it all wrong. He sent his word to his people. He said he will never leave his people, never forsake his people. And he said, and the word you're hearing is designed to accomplish what I said it will do. he prosper. How about saving you? How about renewing your youth like the eagles? No, that won't work either. Well, let me see. Maybe we can find something. that You know, the church, they limit the truth to God's word to one promise. Forgive us of all of our iniquities, Psalm 103, verse 2. He forgives us of all of our iniquities, period. That's the end of it. Close the book. And yet the second part of that same verse is, and he healed heal you from all your diseases. And yet we say, I don't know about that. You don't know about that. Well, then carefully turn to 1 John. Go all the way back to the other end of the Bible, 1 John chapter 5. I want you to see it. Rather than quote it, I want you to see it. And let me say this before we read the verse I want to show you. Down through history, the history of the church and in Christendom as a subject, there have always been skeptics. There's always been unbelieving skeptics who will say, yes, the word is true. Yes, God is faithful. And then they will say this to nullify that. They will say, but you can't always say that God will do something because you ask him to. For while he could do it, he may not want to because he may have something else he wants you to do besides what he said in his word he wants. Well, if that's true, then I can't believe anything because God may change his mind. But I've already said he repenteth not what he said. He doesn't change his mind. If he said it, he'll do it. If he said it, he'll do it. He doesn't say, well, I know I said that, but now in your case, he didn't say that. There was not even one verse in all the New Testament, not even one verse about the ministry of Jesus where he ever told anybody to be sick. He never said to any feeble soul, oh, this is for the glory of God, you stay sick. But three times in the New Testament it says, he healed them all. You talk about several thousand, he had a chance to say, well, not all of you are going to get this. He healed them all, all day long. They brought them to his doorstep. They brought the lunatics and the insane and the impaired and the feeble. They brought them all, and he healed them all. How dare anybody in Christianity today say, well, God may not want to. You are a liar here's what God says about those in Christendom who say, well, we know he could, but he might not. Look at verse 10. Verse 10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath a witness in himself, if he believes. And he that believeth not God hath made him a liar. You know why and how? Because God said he could, God said he would, and you say he might not then that's saying God lied. And he that believes not, God has made him a liar. If you're not sure about something, say nothing yet. Put a watch over your mouth. Bring yourself to your knees and say, God, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things from this law. I've been sitting in church all of my life, and I'm still not confident that it's going to work for me, and I'm just so afraid. Oh, God. Oh, God, deliver you from that. Bring us to the place where we can look death in the face and say, I'm not scared of you. You have no control over me. Where's your victory? Death. And all the forecast on the media, the views media, which says whatever it can say to control the mindset of a public. Oh, you're going to die four out of five, get this, and your money is going to go away, and you're going to pay more taxes, and... Inflation has gone up, and it really has. They don't talk about it, but it really has, and all this. uh, All that's supposed to bring gloom and doom. Yet for a Christian, when you hear stuff like that, that's the sound of a sword coming out of its sheath. And you hear the Spirit of God on somehow inside prompting you to say with your mouth, I rebuke that. That is a living lie. It may be like that to the world, but for me it shall be even as the Lord told me. And if God said, "I am healed," I am. And if God says, "I can do all things through Christ, I can. And if Jesus said, "Anything whatsoever you ask for it shall be done, He will whom should I fear? Romans 8. Of what should I be afraid? If God be for me, who can be against me? He has armed me with his word. This is his ammunition. He said to us, if anybody speaks not according to this word, they have no light. That's why they lie. That's why they call God a liar. Today, miserable all over the country. People are being robbed of their faith in God by saying God could, but he might not. He might not want this. And yet you've got his word that says he sent his word to do this, and somebody says, well, he might not. You're a liar. That's what he said. He's a liar. I just want to say that if God said it, he'll do it. I'm working on that. Because I want to live as though that is absolutely true. I want that to be my testimony, that if God said it, if God spoke it, he'll make it good, and he'll bring it to pass. God, your word is forever settled in heaven, forever. Thirdly, my faith doesn't fail either. Faith faileth not. Your faith is not designed to fail. Listen to this, Matthew chapter 21. And verse 22. Listen to this. All things whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. What's the condition for receiving? Help me now, all of you. What's the condition for receiving? Believing. What if you're not fully convinced? What if you're not persuaded yet that it absolutely will work for you? What if you don't have full confidence in it yet? It won't work. But how can you get confident? How does faith come? Comes by hearing, doesn't it? Comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So that if I listen to what God is saying and I'm drawn to that word by the Holy Spirit because it is God wanting this word to be in my heart and it connects. Then I have found, at least in one little point, I found a new way of living. I can be healed. I can live a well, healthy life. I don't have to be afraid of, I can't pronounce all those things, nor do I want to learn the pronunciation of them. I have an exemption clause from heaven. He has set me apart for his glory, not man's diseases. And we are healed by the stripes of Jesus. Amen. Now, that's what he said in his word. And he said, all things whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. That sounds to me like if you believe, then it works. Doesn't it you? Amen. That if you have faith in your heart, it doesn't fail. Let me go over to this other verse, Matthew 17, 20. He said, if you have faith, as a grain of mustard seed. A mustard seed's a little thing. And what did he mean by that? Well, he means that the way it's designed, the way God made a mustard seed or a grain of corn, is this. If you put it in the ground and the right elements work and breaks down the outer core, then the life that is on the inside of that seed given to it by God, it'll come up. It'll come up every time. It's made to. It's designed to. That's the way it works. Same thing is true of faith. You feed your faith. You get faith first. Let God bring it to you from the Word. Let your eyes be open. A little ding goes off on the inside, and you begin to see what he's saying, and you say, yes, praise God, this is going to work. That's why you can start walking in divine health is because you believe for it. God gave you light. Start living that way and walking that way. And and the more you walk that way and the more you live that way, the more it just comes to pass. You're not even conscious of trying to make it work. I'm not trying to confess it to be true because that's not faith. I do not make the Word of God true by believing it because the Word of God is true whether you believe it or not. But when my faith is prompted by the Word so that I say in myself, praise God, that's going to work. I can believe that. I may not be able to believe everything. The things that I wish I could believe for are different than the things I know I can believe for. I love to go into the hospitals. I say it again. I'd get in my car, cancel everything I was planning to do, and go down there to the Cosair Children's Hospital. There wouldn't be a child left in that place when I got walking through the hallways, snapping my fingers, get up, go home, get up, go home, get up, and it'd all be well. I wish I could do that. Well, don't you believe? Well, I believe what I can believe. What a man wants to believe and what a man can believe are two different things. I know what I can believe. It's in my heart. I'm confident and sure about it. I'm not always sure about you or about others. But I'm not responsible for your faith. You are. There have been a lot of people going through trials that I thought, oh, man. Ugh. For what reason, I don't know. Because I've seen other people go through trials and say, they'll be all right. No problem. Just comfortable. Whereas somebody else, I'm thinking, oh, man. I don't always know where somebody else is. I know where I am. And sometimes I'm given something about somebody else, and I'm confident with them too. Faith is a matter of your heart. It's something specific for you that is based on God's Word. It doesn't make the Word true. It is given to you because the Word is already true. It is never designed to fail because once it embraces the Word, like Jesus said, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you have it and you will get it. That's a promise from God. And so when you have something that God gives you, it works. There's nothing it cannot do. The centurion, remember Matthew 8, the centurion, his servant at home, and he said, you don't have to come to my house. You speak the word because when you talk, the world out there that we can't see has to let go of whatever it is you're dealing with. And I'm a man in authority. I tell people come and they come and go and they go. Well, when you talk, the demons have to go too. So if you'll say to my servant, he's well, he'll be well. Wow. How about men that tore a roof off of a house? Four men. They believed that if they could get this poor little fella into this house, that he would be healed. They were sure of this. They weren't going to try. They were said, if we can get him where Jesus is, he'd be like us. They wouldn't even let him in the house. But they climbed on the roof and tore the roof off and lowered the man in the house where Jesus was preaching. How would you like to be in a meeting like that? The preacher's preaching and dust is falling, straw's falling, a little the house is not big in those days, and and here comes four guys, you know, lowering a little fella down and a little sheep. And the Bible said when Jesus looked up and he saw their faith. That's what faith does. To a lot of people there, you're making a fool of yourself. But to the man who receives. You just gained a great victory. You're going to run and play and dance and jump up and down. When they hit that note about, I will sing and I will dance, this one here will. He'll take off running. There's wonderful life when you live the life of faith because something is lodged in your heart that makes you sure and certain about what God has shown you, it really will come to pass. I can't explain everybody else's problems. I can't. I can't explain other people's failures. I can't. I just know that what's given to one of us is given to all of us, and whoever in here has ever failed, you can recover and make it right. All of us. God has not forsaken the least of us, not any of us. And he's still for us, and he's still on our side. God is good, and God is gracious. Amen. Well, what about Luke 22 and verse 32? You know, it says, Simon, Simon, you know, the devil has desired you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. What about that? Well, Jesus didn't say his faith is supposed to fail. He gave him faith. He didn't give you something that fails. But faith operates by man's will too. Amen? I have to will to do what God said. God doesn't make me do His will. If He did, I could never be judged for unbelief, because it's all up to God. But faith comes how? By hearing, If I've heard and I believe and I lay hold of the word, it's designed to work. It's supposed to work. Faith is what honors God and what God honors is faith. He didn't give it to you so you would fail. But because it's an act of your will, when you get faith, you become a target of the devil, and he tries to make you afraid. The two big enemies of faith are fear and doubt. Remember Peter walked on the sea in Matthew 14. Peter got out of the boat and began walking on the sea, didn't he? Had the same power Jesus had, doing the same thing Jesus did. They're both on the same level, standing on an ocean, a raging sea, walking on water, impossible but possible. Did it. And what the devil do? Well, he got his attention on the waves and the sea, and he began to think, whoa. And then he began to be, even though he was walking on the water, he began to be fearful and afraid, and he began to sink, because that'll always kill your faith. So that just proves that you can have the faith to get out of a boat and walk on water, but you still have to fight the good fight to keep it there. But Jesus grabbed him by the hair of his head and dragged him back to the boat. And so, actually, he didn't. He picked him up and said, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? What if Jesus said to you this morning with your needs and my needs, be it unto you this morning, whoever you are, be it unto you according to your faith? How would you do? How would you do if he said, be it unto you according to your faith. Let me tell you something else that doesn't fail so we can close. Love doesn't fail. Love doesn't fail. It's the biggest, most important single subject in the Bible because God identifies himself as love. Love is what covers a multitude of sins. It keeps us from killing each other and running off and quitting and giving up. Love is what says, I forgive you. Love is what removes hate and vengeance and takes meanness out of your life. Love is a playing field where all who are God stand together. Doesn't matter where you are, what country, what color, what your parents are, what planet you came in from. When God brings you to himself, you stand together. We're all different, folks. We're all different. But one single thing that all of us have, if we have Christ, is love. Love is a choice. You can choose to love somebody, or you can choose to have a root of bitterness in your heart and draw back. Or you can choose to say, as God has loved me, so love I you. Too much in there to cover today, but... The Bible says, he that covereth the transgression seeketh love. Has anybody ever not been offended by the church folks? I'm probably the only one in here who's never been talked about. And after all these years, there's been a lot of opportunities to be angry with people, to see people and grit your teeth. And that only means that person controls you. But when you respond to those people the way God responded to you with love, then they're not controlling you anymore. You're free. Remember, it's while we were yet sinners that Christ loved us. While we were loathsome, criminal, and all of that too, sinners, Jesus singled us out for his choice to be his people. Why would he do that for me? And then he puts you in a crowd of people that you just had to overcome the rest of your life. But that's okay because it's a whole part of this thing about overcoming. Listen to what Peter said. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity or love covers a multitude of sins. We're not here to remember what you did or what you said or how bad it was but only that God has been good to us and has delivered us from ourselves. And you can't speak of love in the final verse without speaking of compassion. God says in Lamentations 3, verse 22, that his compassions fail not. It's like they're new every morning. Compassions mean his mercy, his tenderness, and his kindness to the likes of us. He leads us gently through life. He can yank on us every now and then, but God's design for me and you is to take us from death to life, to reach the end of your journey and hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. This is why failure is not given to us. God doesn't fail. His word doesn't fail. Our faith doesn't fail. Love doesn't fail. His compassions don't fail. We can't find failure in any of this. Everything is success. I can do all things through Christ. Amen. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, as you look down upon us this morning or as you walk these aisles where we are, We're aware that there is nothing about us that you do not know. Every weakness, every flaw, every attitude, every mistake, what we did last night, what we said this morning, nothing is hidden. You have made us to know that we are exposed and open to you. And at the same time, you have shown us that you love us, that we're in the palm of your hand, that you started a good work in us. I pray, Lord, that our hearts will be open to you and all that you have for us, that when this journey in life is over, we will look forward to that coronation day when we find our place in heaven. I ask you to bless these people here this morning, bless those that hear. Lord, we're a needy people this morning. Like the song says, I need thee every hour we do. Thank you for being good to us. Thank you for being gracious to us. Thank you for your mercy and your kindness. Thank you for everything you've given us that we don't deserve. I ask you to bless every row, every seat, every person that's here this morning, everybody that listens, that we'll live the way we should live and know that you're not going to fail us in any way. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet?
1: Oh God is so good God So good, God is so good. He's so good to me. He answers prayer. He answers.